Welcome everyone. I'm your host, Angelo Santiago, and this is the We Are The Men podcast, a show that is dedicated to sharing the stories of men who are all connected by a commitment to having a positive impact on the world through the actions they take in their own lives. My guest today is Matthew Cochran. Matt is the founder of Raven Dream Tracking, helping people map the inner territories of their own psyche. He's also deeply involved in men's work, both guiding rites of passage and leading men's councils. Matt's journey started as a mapper and boundary surveyor in Montana, but that life was disrupted by the internal tectonics, which led him to study depth psychology and dreams through the Pacifica Graduate Institute. Now he and his partner Constance live close to the land in Southern Utah, surrounded by a wilderness. Matt fully believes in the deep creative force of nature, which also includes our inner nature, and his life revolves around bringing an awareness to it and protecting it. And so with that, I'm honored and so grateful to have Matt here with me on the We Are The Men podcast. Matt is a dear friend of mine. I've learned a lot from him, both in the waking world in which we live in and the dream realm in which we step into every single night and how those things support each other, both back and forth if we're willing to listen. But today, I'm excited to just talk about Matt and see where he's at in life, how he got there, what happened, what is his story, and really what is it that he's bringing through in this life uh, to share with others, to enrich and support the lives of others. So Matt, thank you so much for being here. It's always great to get to see you and talk to you, and I look forward to seeing where this goes. Angelo, thank you. It's really good to be here with you, and. We've had a good ride so far, so I'm excited just to explore more. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Every conversation I get to have with you, there's always like something that pops in my awareness, my mind that is just like, oh man, wow. Like I I did not expect that to happen. So let's see where this one goes. And so to start us off, every time I talk to you, there's, there's always some time that passes and we get to connect on like, where are we right now? And so the question always becomes like, what's the season of life that you are currently either in or entering in and and where is it, or do you see it kind of taking you at least in the next few days, months ahead? Great question. So yeah, the season of life, I guess in a way I am more seasoned now. I was born in 1968. So right now the chapter of life really is interesting. I've been busy for a bunch of years in men's work, like with a real fire lit, sort of putting all my principles together and working very hard in a way in the outer world. But I'm naturally an introvert. And which means I just get, I tend to get more energy when I'm alone. And what's so important to me has been slowing down, spending time in nature and feeling the imaginative and creative part of my own soul spirit that wants to express itself and live. And at least on this level, I think it's so important in a man's life to have and fortunate to have the opportunity to touch into this place, that wit, that specific expression of who we are wants to be spoken into the world for me. And so I've really been exploring that particularly this year among all the outside responsibilities that I take care of. So that's the inner world for me. Yeah. Let's talk about the piece you talked about of being an introvert. 
and how that it fuels you to kind of have a little bit of that space. And at the same time, you're talking about being in the men's work where so much is talked about being in community, being in brotherhood, bringing with others. So for someone who's listening, who maybe has that introvert energy source, but they're really feeling a little bit of loneliness or trying to do it by themselves, how do you work these two aspects of like, I know in connection, there is so much opportunity for me. And yet I also know as an introvert, I need that space. So where do those two balance each other out? Right. And yeah, balance is exactly the right word. It's a balancing act for me. And I mean, I do have to push myself to be out there, but I get so much from connection with community. But what I found uh, especially in later life is the quality of connection is the most important thing to me. So I don't really waste my time on conversations and people perhaps that aren't of interest to me. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just more of a focusing of, you know, these are the people I'm aligned to. These are the topics that I'm passionate about. And I try and talk about what's most important to me. And that seems to create that fine balance for me because I definitely, you know, when I talk to you, for example, and so on, it's like ideas spark. Like if I solely was an introvert and didn't talk to anybody, then there would be a serious emptiness in my life. And in fact, a creativity and imaginative life that wouldn't occur because I'm fed by the outer world as well. But it's also when I say introvert, I'm saying mainly maybe in the human world, much of my relations are outward, but with nature and so on. And so there's so, you see what I'm playing on there. It's not specifically that I keep to myself. I'm actually out in the world, right? It's just not always a human social scene. Yeah. What I hear you you saying is understanding your priorities in terms of how much you engage with others, what you engage with them about, even how you engage with the external world, like not just the human world, but everything. And and that takes a deep knowing yourself and a deep honoring of yourself, which I see in you and, and have learned from you as well of really setting like, what is it that is important to me? What is it that fills me up? And what is it that doesn't? And then can I look at my life right now and am I prioritizing that which does. So if you're listening to this and you find yourself to be an introvert and you're like, I don't know about these men's councils, circles, these gatherings, because that's not what I'm used to. Maybe take a look at the gatherings that you're currently in and are they just not of the potency that maybe something else could offer? So I hear you. And my question for you, Matt, is, is really exploring. Let's get to how you got to the point of knowing yourself at this level and doing the things that really fill you up. So take us back a little bit on a journey. You know, you mentioned to me that you studied geology, you've been a mapper and a boundary surveyor in Montana, but then life shifted dramatically for you. So take us a little bit backwards and let's see where that goes. Yeah. I mean, I certainly haven't always been this way. And like all of us in our younger years, I'm thinking more of our 20s, there's sort of a societal conditioning on what success means and what we're supposed to be as men. And I certainly got caught up in that as well. But there was always something that shook me out of that as well. And I think, yeah. And so when I was 17, my father, who followed that typical path of success and did not succeed very well in it, committed suicide. And that 
was a major life change for me. At 17, it was the breaking of innocence and all that sort, sorts of stuff. But in the end, what's fascinating is that that tragedy also fathered me into finding my own way. Because some part of me understood that my father was a man that was trapped and couldn't express or find his way out. And it seems like everything I've done since that unconsciously, consciously as well, has been to only trust my own way and actually sometimes to a fatal flaw, you know, to not trust the things that everyone does, which has isolated me. So that's the surface level. Underneath all this is the level of language and depth and richness of life that putting myself in nature has given me. That was where I felt safe. Also, dreams have always spoken very loudly to me. And these stories that come to us each night have really been real friends to me and things that I've trusted as well. So between nature and dreams, there's been this rich inner life that no one can copy, that can't be trademarked, that, you know what I mean, that is my river of life. And I've been really committed to that much more consciously now. And it was the only thing I knew to hold on to when I was younger, to keep me sane, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. To take you out of that vision or that societal norm of what men are supposed to be or what who we're supposed to be as men and and really get to uncover yourself. You know, in, in a couple of the past podcasts, a lot of the the men I've interviewed, they know that I have a, a an interest and, and a love for dreams as well. And just point out that, you know, you were a pivotal person in supporting me and deepening into that. So I'd love to take just a little moment in this episode to talk about dreams in your work with Raven Dream Tracking and how you support people with dreams. What is there for someone to uncover about themselves or about the options that they have in their lives? Maybe they're struggling to make a decision. They're at that pivotal moment in their life where it's like, I don't know what to do. You want to talk a little bit about dreams, what somebody can really gather from their own dreams? Yeah, definitely. So for me, they're an essential navigation tool for a man, for any person. And they're a different language. They're a language older than words. They come in images. And when we fall asleep, we're in this other world. And they speak symbolically, metaphorically, and mythically in a way. They somehow echo all the old stories and moralities from the deep, archaic past. And, you know, in my experience, and I know in yours as well, they seem to be here as some sort of evolutionary inheritance. They've been with us from the beginning. So I really value them and learning the language of dreams. What that has taught me is that there's this inner story going on under the surface that I may be unconscious of. And the dreams show me sort of the inner landscape that I might not be quite aware of in the day world. And having that sort of compass underneath the surface has really helped me to stick to my own path, um, not, not without uncertainty, you know, but also to act on those dreams in the day world in ways that make me more whole, more open, more curious, and sort of with more faith towards this unseen world that carries us every day, rather than really leaning on what society says I should be doing. Yeah. 
And with the dreams as like that internal compass, it can guide you sort of in this external world with an external compass of, of where to go, what to do, what choices to make to really help you uncover what depth there is within you that needs to come out. So I'd love to explore how that relates with the work that you do with men, both as the rites of passage and the councils that you hold, both like in your local community. And I know you've taken men out, you know, you, you said nature is such a, a deep creative force in your world for let's talk to men who maybe live in cities who feel a little disconnected from nature and the invitation for them to like, Hey, step outside, get some air, see the sky, feel the weather, feel the changing of the leaves, the animals. I know you, you do a lot of like tracking animal tracking. There's, there's just something there out there that so much of our culture and society has become disconnected from. And so speak a little bit to you, like why should somebody step out to nature? What is there for them and what can they learn? Yeah. So much like dreams, nature moves at a different pace than our modern world. And I think the most important thing for me is that it has slowed me down. It has given me big vistas. It has shown me beauty through running water, trees and the wind. In a way, I want to say it's a mirror, but it's more than that. It's something alive. And even within the cities, when you step outside and there are trees, there are parks, there the wind blowing, there's the weather above, there's the ground beneath your feet. It's all there. And there's a certain animate force behind all the noise and speed and traffic of the modern world, some sort of consciousness that sits there regarding us, holding us. And so even if you can step out every day and just tap into that greater awareness, my experience is that you'll feel more alive, you'll feel a little more vital, you'll feel a little more connected in a way perhaps you can't quite name. All these things, there's energy in nature that is inherent to our own body. And I think the danger is we can cut ourselves off very easily from that. And so, but all it takes is going outside and rooting in a little bit each day, like a quiet meditation and see what happens, right? That's my experience. So, yeah, I think everybody can certainly gather something different from that experience out in nature, but something will happen, you know, something will occur. For me, it was just being able to listen more attentively and even listen to things that. I couldn't hear before and see things I couldn't see before, just like a slowing down. And one of the practices that you taught me is it's a combination of that, the dream work and being out in nature is when you have a dream that you're feeling into, you're paying attention to. And, you know, I may get too much in my head trying to unlock, like, what is this trying to tell me? But then you told me, just go out in nature, just go sit, find a quiet spot and just allow the dream to come back to life in this space and then see what nature has to say about it. You know, see what the wind has to say, see what the birds have to say. And, and it's, it's a different type of listening and feeling into an uncovering of like the unknown. So I think it's really beautiful. And I want to go back for you in your life. You talked about how you're entering a season of slowing down after a lot of doing, a lot of going, a lot of big fire energy. And even now you're talking about nature being such a good part of your life and helping you slow down. So for you, what has slowing down 
allowed you to really do? What's what are what are the benefits for for someone who is like in that fast pace culture? Like I got to do, I got to go. If I if I, I'm wasting time, if I'm not waking up at five a.m. and starting my day before everybody else, because that's what we're, we're being fed as men. They're like, oh, if you want to be successful, wake up before everybody else, work harder, do more, burn yourself out. I mean, they're not saying that, but that's ultimately what is happening. So talk about slowing down and what it's done for you. Well, and first off, what you just said, that framework of logical thinking of going, getting after it, it's a pretty narrow framework and a lot of us follow it. But for every man, there's their own spirit path, which means there's millions of ways to follow, right? And you just, and our task is just to find our own. And so slowing down for me is there's an old saying that says, you know, if you stop, I'm sort of gutting it, but I'm not saying it quite right. But if you slow down enough, then wisdom has a chance to catch up. Okay. If we're moving too fast, then how will it ever catch up to us? Right. And so in what slowing down has given me is this sense of it's not all in my power. Right. And this is a fine balance. There's our will as men to make things happen, which is important. There's our intention and so on. And then there's all the forces that were amidst that either convene and collaborate with us or go against us. And in a way, you have to figure out what kind of creature you are. And I like to consider, I mean, my own sort of personal style is a little bit more like a mountain lion, right? Which is something that watches and waits. And then when an opportunity comes along, which it always does, I know when to leap, when to make the move, right? But there's an awful lot of thoughtful observation, sitting and waiting in the shadows, being quiet, and then knowing my capacity and power when something comes along. I trust, in other words, that I'm not the only one responsible for my fate, right? That this other than human world, the beyond the logical world, the world of mystery or mythos is also working with me. And we say in tracking, which is like I'm following something in life, right? You know, we talk about leading all the time. You have to be a leader in your life, but there's also following this mystery of what you are. And you never get a glimpse of the whole creature. You get step and step and step. And it's really a wonderful way to live, actually, because if you can start to trust it, life becomes really surprising and spontaneous in a way. And you realize your capacity is much bigger than you could have ever imagined. Yeah. I love how you frame for yourself, you know, this mountain lion imagery. Because what came to me as you started sharing that is like, oh, right. Like what I've been taught in so many ways, like is more like I'm a machine, right? Like this machinery imagery that never shuts off. That's always go. It's always go. You know, sometimes you like have to turn it off because it's parts have broken from it and I got to fix these parts or clean it up a little bit, but then turn it back on as soon as it's fixed. Any downtime is a loss. And then when I hear you describe more that nature feel of, no, I'm a mountain lion. You see how they move. You see how they rest. You see how they always keep a watchful eye. And when it's time to take action, take action. So I love bringing that into my awareness. Like I said, every time I talk to you, there's something that comes through. So hopefully (laughs) for somebody who's listening, this is the same. 
You know, how can I be more in touch with nature, even to the point of how I operate? Right. Yeah. And even one more thing on this is it's really interesting that what I've noticed in the past few years is problems that come up in life, which they always do. I used to, you know, have a lot of anxiety and we'll still do and worry about them. And then, like you said, trying to fix, fix, fix. And now I realize if I just sit on the problem and, and sort of withstand what might be painful or uncomfortable for a little bit, a lot of times the problem resolves itself before I even get to it. And I'm like, oh my God, that, you know, it's like, I didn't do anything <laughs> and there's no problem, you know? So I really, I've really been, been loving that. And it's been proven again and again and again. So it, it works out. Yeah. Fully agreed. For me, how I like to frame this when I'm talking to people is whenever something would occur, right? Like a problem, a challenge, something that was just like totally unexpected. You know, the old version of me would be like, you know, being like, why is this happening to me? You know, like really angry about it. And like, why is this happening? What do I have to do to make it stop? Whereas now I have this awareness that I can look at it and be like, why, why is this happening to me? It's more of like a curiosity more like a sit back and be like, what is here for me to learn? What is this opportunity here for me to sit back and examine this problem instead of just like, here's a problem, go after it immediately. Can I slow down back to slowing down, right? What we've talked about and just sit with it and just be okay and be in the discomfort. You touched a little bit about like, can I be in that anxiety of not knowing, of not knowing exactly what's And sometimes, like you said, the problem sorts itself out or something comes into my awareness that is right bigger than myself that has been put itself in front of me to be like, oh, this is the path in which this problem will get sorted out. Yeah. I mean, you've said it, Angelo. It's like, and I think that reminds me of circling back to your first question, probably what's, you know, the chapter of my life now is I've been able to shift just a simple, it sounds really like almost too simple, a perspective on how I, rather than Bruce Tift says this, rather than have sort of a natural aggression towards the reality of the world, it's a kindness instead, just this seemingly simple switch. So yeah, when something hard happens, I'm not like cursing the gods and like making myself the victim, but it's like, oh, okay, what do I do now? And it takes a little bit of faith, right? Because we, because what's scary is, as men is we don't know if we have the capacity to deal with it. And that usually in the past has triggered a whole set of behaviors that put me into a distractive place, into addictive place, into a turning and running from it place, all those things, right? Yeah. But just this steady switch of perspective, which is really counterintuitive, the life has become more even keel, not less passionate, not less harder, more joyful, but just a little more even keel. Yeah. Let's switch gears a little bit to your experience in men's councils. And in particular, I think you have a unique experience that you live in, like you said, you live in Southern Utah, you're surrounded by wilderness. There's some more spaciousness. There's, there's something a little bit in the lifestyle that you have and the people around you where it's like, I want to be a little bit more alone. I want to have a little bit more connection with nature, maybe my immediate family or loved ones. And like, I want that space. And so you've also invited these men who live in that way, who are a little like, I'll call it, you know, rugged, a little bit more of uh, an isolated lifestyle, but you've 
gotten them to come together and gather. And so talk a little bit about to those men who really like their isolation to be like, what would it look like for them to come together? And what changes have you seen in your community through these men's councils that you're leading? Yeah. Thanks for that question. And you've met a few of these guys yeah. um, here and there. And so, I mean, and to, for context, I live in a town of about 300 people. The closest town to us is 28 miles away. We're surrounded by 2 million acres of national monument, wilderness, national forest. Just we're like an island within all this. And so, yeah. So the people out here tend to be Although they're, we're all very aware of what's going out along in the world, we've made conscious decisions to be here. And as a small town, it's much like living in an extended family. You really can't be anonymous, which has both good things and bad things about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Men's Council, I started years ago, and it was an on and off process for a while. And only in the last bunch of years have I feel like I've gotten a little bit skillful at it with the help of being involved in men's work. So in some ways, what I've taken from the world out there, the men's work and applied here has been really beneficial. Now, you know, to answer your question is, how has it changed the men here? Because we're pretty much individuals and sort of rugged individuals and um, like our space and so on, sort of the lone wolf mentality. Everyone's very capable in their own way, but everyone on some level is suffering a certain loneliness and that on the inside. And by coming together around a fire outside, even in this, in the cold winter, you know, we'll meet from three to five around a roaring fire and the front of us is hot and the back's ice cold, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's beautiful out, right? And the ravens are flying about and maybe, you know, a half moon's up there. So we're, we're in a way we're in nature and we sort of move around from one person's property to another. So everyone gets to host in a way. And over the years, we've built up the trust. We've talked about topics that just don't happen in town. Usually it's just chit chat in town or work to get something done and weave a container and talk about what matters, integrity, grief, all the things you can imagine, how to help the community on a quiet level as a team of men. People are having a hard winter, cutting wood for them, you know, doing stuff like that. So, you know, over the years, we've just built up a trust with each other. And we've had some difficulties as well and some falling outs. And But what we have now is sort of a united strength that's come from it. And now when you run, there are about 14 of us. And when you run into each other out there on the, the dirt roads, there's something to talk about. There's this quiet, unlanguaged camaraderie and brotherhood that goes on because we've revealed sort of our depths and our vulnerabilities and our strengths in council together around a fire month after month, year after year. And it's a really beautiful thing to behold. And yeah, so that's that's a little bit of an answer to your question. There. Yeah, definitely. The, the bonds that are created around the fire are just so, so strong. And, and I love hearing that because even in a very well-populated area where I live, it's like, I crave that too. And, you know, I'm slowly starting to build a community of men locally that I can call on, that I can be supported by. And it's happening. So, so I love that you're doing it out there. And I also love the the picture that you, you, you made of sitting around the fire and actually being outdoors and, and feeling both the cold and the heat and coming together because 
Right. I'm not saying that there's not the opportunity to do that in the virtual space. I've been in plenty of online containers, online men's circles, and, and the power to to connect in that way is there. And yet there's something really just different and more connective about being in person, sensing the other person's physical energy next to you, feeling the same heat, feeling the same cold together and, and going through that experience together. So I, I love that even that that nature piece that is a huge part of your life is coming into the men's circles that you are, the councils that you are creating out there. Yeah. And you can really do it any way you want, just like each of us, every men's council can be unique. I mean, there's a container that's really important, but sometimes in winter we'll have, everyone will bring food and we'll have a feast before we council, or we'll drive together there and back. And all those are really important times. But the the thing I really want to underscore beyond the virtual is there is a language that happens between men without words, right? And so that physicality and that eye contact, nothing needs to be said, but it's sort of part of our animal awareness. And when we connect that way, it feeds a deeper, maybe older part of us that we don't get so often. It's like, it's why men in some ways love to work side by side, right? There's this thing, this unspoken thing there. And I think that's very important to keep going and to feed Absolutely. Well, Matt, before we close up here, I want to see, is is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? Anything that you want to just add to here at the very end and say, hey, if there's one thing that I want you to receive after listening to this podcast, maybe it's this. Yeah, I think that it would be for everyone out there to really trust your own nature and to take the time and the courage to explore deeply what that might be and to embrace that. It's probably going to be different than anyone else's. And that's the beauty of it as well. But that's the part I believe that we need of each of you in the world. And I honor that part in everyone deeply. I love it. And, you know, we talked about earlier in our discussion, this idea of what are we supposed to be as men, right? What is expected of us and, and also finding your own way not being stuck in this framework of somebody else's making, but really honoring yourself, knowing, getting to know yourself and seeing how once you do that, how everything around you changes and how all the actions that you take and all the decisions that you made when they're coming from this internal compass, like you described, life just totally changes. And so that's the invitation here. Thanks for bringing that through. If somebody has listened to you, Matt, and they're curious, whether it's about the dream work, whether maybe they're listening from Southern Utah and they want to connect with you a little bit more about where you're at or just something that hit them, they're like, I need to talk to this guy a little bit more. How can they connect with you? What is it that you want to share with them about Raven Dream Tracking and Matt Cochran? Yeah. So thank you for that. And so the best way to reach me is through my website, ravendreamtracking.org. And I also post on Instagram under the same handle, ravendreamtracking. And that's the best way. And then as far as if you're interested in men's work and rites of passage, I'm deeply involved with the Rising Man organization. And so you can find me there. I help guide the rites of passage through their Compass program, it's actually called. and. I would love to talk with you about anything. So thank you for asking, Angelo. 
Thanks, Matt. Yeah. And we had our, our mutual friend, Jetty on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. And so he, we talked about rites of passage through there. So if you're interested in rites of passage, connect with Matt, connect with Jetty, connect with Rising Man Movement. It's really awesome stuff they're doing there. So Matt, with every guest, I'd like to do a quick little visualization here at the end to just see what comes through you, what words want to be shared here right at the uh, exit of our discussion and our time together. And I want to say thank you again. So I want to invite you to slow down as you have taught us to do. Take a nice deep breath. And if you're listening along, feel free to join us and see what comes through you. Matt, you find yourself on an open field. Thousands of men are with you and you are about to address the world. You begin to speak and I want you to finish this sentence. We are the men who... We are the men who are born from the land and bring the earth into being. We are the men who are born from the land and bring the earth into being. Thank you, Matthew Cochran. Thank you all for listening and joining us on the We Are The Men podcast. We Are The Men is a global movement and I wanna invite you, the listeners, to be a part of it. Go to wearethemen.com to sign up for our mailing list and learn how you can get involved. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment to rate and follow this podcast to help us reach more listeners. All of us know men who could benefit from hearing these conversations and engaging with our community. Please share this podcast today with someone you know. I'm Angela Santiago, and we are the men.